Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We are so honored that you took the time to be here for this message. It's the fourth in our series. There's more to the story. We're looking at the life of David. Hey, this message is extremely special. It was recorded at Mile 2 Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and it fits right into our series. So we want to encourage you, whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, enjoy. Uh, All that to say, I'm super excited for what God is doing and the friendship that he's creating between us and between Kingdom Church and Mile 2 Church. And so I'm so honored to be here. And uh, just one thing you need to know about me, uh, I like to ask questions to the congregation, and uh, they're not rhetorical questions. So if I ask you something, are you guys okay to respond back to me? Can you guys do that? Fantastic. All right, let's go. Uh, This morning, uh, we're going to be, I guess... Continuing the David series, sort of bringing it back. I know you guys thought it was gone, but it's back. Um, And it's so cool because the series that we're doing at our church, it's called There's More to the Story. And our idea is that there's just so much more to the story of David that meets the eye. And I think it's really cool because I was listening to your guys' message last week. Then you guys remember last week's message? And I was listening to it, and uh, some of the texts that I'm going to share today, uh, Pastor Brian shared last week, but I think that what we're going to see this morning is that there's more to the story, and uh, we're going to look at it in a fresh way, in a fresh light. So I want to share a verse to kind of get started this morning. It's found in Psalm 34, and it says this. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast in only the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come. Let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. I want to share the title of our message this morning. If you're note-taking people, you can write this one down. Uh, It's super simple. Our title is, When Faithfulness Seems Fruitless. When Faithfulness Seems Fruitless. Um, I'm going to share a statement with you guys, and you can choose to agree or disagree. Just know if you disagree, you're wrong. But (laughs) Seinfeld is the greatest comedy show of all time. Anyone else? Any amens out there? Let's go. You guys know what's up. I don't care what they say about Saskatchewan. I love you guys. Uh, Seinfeld is the greatest comedy show of all time. And so uh, I just love that show, and it's, it's better than Friends and, and whatever else you guys watch. It's just the best. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But uh, when I was in high school, um, I had this routine, and I owned every single season of Seinfeld on DVD. I know DVDs are ancient. Some of you guys like, don't remember that anymore. We stream everything. But I had every single season on DVD, and uh, there was nine seasons in Seinfeld. And so I had this routine when I was in high school. On my bed, I had this small little portable DVD player, and every single night before I would go to sleep, I would watch one or two episodes of Seinfeld. And uh, the show has nine seasons, and by my best guess, I watched the whole show entirely at least three times. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And I, I was examining that fact this week, and I just began to realize it's super sad because I'm currently right now going through the Bible fully for only the second time. And I was like, oh, no, I've seen Seinfeld more than I've seen the Bible. But uh, the Lord's working on my heart. Come on, someone, pray for me. (laughs) But uh, I love the show, and I would watch the show every single night. But as cool as the show was, having it on DVD was amazing because for every single episode, it had this really cool thing called an inside look. 
And so you'd watch the episode, and then after the episode was done, you could click on this thing called Inside Look. And I love the Inside Look because the Inside Look, what it did, it led us uh, just into the, the minds of the people that wrote the show. And they kind of let us know like, what was happening in that episode, where the stories came from, and just cool little facts. And if there's something you need to know about me, I love all like, the behind-the-detail stuff. Like behind the scenes, I just love that stuff. Like when I go to a movie, like I'm on Wikipedia for hours after, like trying to just find out everything I can. And so I love the inside look. And there was this one episode in particular called the Puerto Rican Day. And in the episode, uh, if you guys know anything about Seinfeld, if you don't, it doesn't really matter. But in this episode, it was all about being stuck in traffic. But it was called the Puerto Rican Day uh, Parade. And so in the inside look, Jerry Seinfeld, he tells the story of how before the episode aired, he got a call from Puerto Rican Pride Group. And they said to him, hey, we're protesting this episode. And Jerry said to them, he's like, why are you protesting? You've never seen the episode. And the guy from the group, he said, well, we just assume it's offensive. And so, uh, crazy story, after that episode was aired, it was actually never aired again. They took it off syndication because there was so much drama. And when I saw that, I just realized, like, oh my gosh, people have been getting offended for the last 20 years. It's not just a 2019 thing where everyone's offended all the time. You guys know what I'm talking about? But I love the inside look, and one of the reasons that I love the story of David, and one of the reasons I wanted to take our church through it, is because the story of David is so cool, because in the book of First and Second Samuel, it has like all these grand narratives and tales of David. And it's awesome, but as cool as those tales of David are, what I love so much about the life of David is that the book of Psalms is there alongside First and Second Samuel. And so First and Second Samuel are, are sort of like the episode the book of Psalms is kind of like the inside look, where it lets us know David's motivation, it lets us know what he was thinking, it lets us know what his emotions were as he was going through these tales. If, if you're new to church, what a psalm is, it's really just, it's a prayer. It's a prayer or it's a song, and David would write many of these psalms in the book that we now know as the book of Psalms. And so I love just the story of David because we have the episode and we have the inside look. And what we're going to see this morning is I want us to look at one of the episodes in David's life, and I want to bring alongside the inside look. Anyone ready to go on a journey this morning? Yeah. Where we pick up our story uh, today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'll set the context for what has happened just before this. David has defeated the mighty giant Goliath. Any of you guys remember that in the series? David defeats Goliath. It's one of the greatest uh, battles of David's life. And, and what happens is David defeats this giant he, with the sling. He goes and he cuts off his head, and it's this gory but amazing scene. And for a lot of people, when they look at the life of David, they think that after David defeated Goliath, he became the king. Like it was just this great victory, and then he became the king. But for those who know the story, what we know is that after, defeats, after David defeats Goliath, he does not become king. In fact, it's quite the opposite. After David defeats Goliath, he's about to enter into one of the hardest and darkest seasons of his life. And we're going to get there in just a moment. But last week, you guys will remember this. After David defeats Goliath, Saul decides to bring David into his court. Because Saul, who is the king, he sees David and he sees this potential and he's like, man, I need this guy on my team. Like, this guy takes out giants. I want him on my team. And so the Bible tells us that Saul brings David into his court to stay with him. And oh, well, David is there. David creates a friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. And they become the best of friends. And what happens is David is sent on mission by, by Saul and to battle and to battle and to battle. 
And the Bible tells us that whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. There's something I want to bring out from this thing right here. You see, for a lot of us, when we understand the life of David, we see this great battle that he has. He has the battle with David and Goliath. That's, we all know that story, correct? Yeah. For a lot of people, though, what happens when we think of battle, after battle, we always think victory. Like when you win the battle, it's victory and then it's party. That's, that's what happens in the movies, right? You win the battle and then you get the glory. But what's so interesting about the life of David is that David, instead of after in his battles, instead of glory, David just goes to more battles. And I've realized something about life, and you guys can tell me if you've ever experienced this. A lot of times in life, after battles, the reward for winning our battle is another battle. Anyone ever experienced that before? If you own a business, you know what this is like. It's like you can just grind all week and you can have an amazing week. And the reward for your amazing week is you got to go out and you got to battle some more. It's, for those of you guys who have kids, you guys know what this is like. It's a battle, right? Like just to get them to brush their teeth. And then when you win that battle, the reward for the battle is you got to get them to not go to sleep. You see, life is often battles to battles. I didn't mention this, I should have. But uh, I, I need to give honor to my wife because she's here with me this morning. Come on, somebody. And uh, she's actually, like, very pregnant. Like, I'm talking, like, ready to pop pregnant. And uh, it is super awesome. And, you know, praise the Lord that she was able to drive for five and a half hours yesterday. Uh, that's good. But uh, one thing that we've realized, she's pregnant, and we're going to be parents in, like, four weeks. Like, we're super excited for it. But one thing is funny because as parents, you guys might know what this is like, especially, like, when the babies are, are still in the womb. You kind of worry about them right? Like you're worried, like I hope everything's growing. I hope everything's healthy. I, I hope they don't get my bad back. I hope they get Christy's beautiful blue eyes. And, and you kind of worry. And one thing that my wife always says, she's like, well, once they're here, like everything will be good. But the reality is, <laughs> there's the battle when they're inside, like you're worrying. But when they come out, like it's just more battles. Parents, you guys know what's up. <laughs> life, what I'm trying to say is that life often moves from battle to battle, and the reward for winning the battles is often more battles. My brother proposed to his girlfriend last week, and like he planned the whole thing up. It was a big surprise, and he was so stressed out, and the reward for proposing, she said yes, but now he's got to plan the wedding. <laughs> you see, in life, the reward for our battles is often more battles. And this is what we're going to see in the life of David, because for every victory that David has, it just seems like there's another battle. Yeah. And in life, this can be discouraging, because we can win these great victories, we can win these great wars, and our reward is another battle. And so David is fighting these battles, and, and the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is with David, and everywhere he went, he was successful. And so after one particular battle, it says that when they came home, they danced and they sang this song, the people there at the entrance, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry with this refrain. This displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. If you were here last week, you looked at this verse. <laughs> and it's so interesting, as I read the Bible, I was like, what kind of a song is this? 
Like, that's the best they could come up with. Like, Saul has slain his thousands. That's just a weird song to me. But what the Bible tells us is that when Saul hears this song, he begins to have this jealous spirit. And he begins to think to himself, who is this boy? All that he can take from me now is his kingdom, is my kingdom, because he's already won their favor. And I know you kind of looked into that thought, but what we're going to see moving forward is that from this time on, Saul now just wants to kill David because Saul is filled with jealousy. And the Bible tells us this. It says, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as she usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand. <laughs> now, this is really interesting. Because for most of us, we know what's about to happen. Saul's about to throw the spear at David. And for a lot of us, when we talk about the jealousy of Saul, we go back a little while and we say, well, it all happened when the Spirit of God left Saul. That's the reason that he was jealous. And understand this, church friends, I understand that part. I understand that spiritual part, the Spirit of God has left him. But when I read this, I could also kind of see Saul's humanity. Because like, David, I'm going to be honest, he had it going on. Like, the dude was a mighty warrior. Like, he's cutting off giants' heads with their own swords. Like, the dude's a warrior, but at the same time, he's playing the harp. Like, how can you compete with that? Like, he's a beast on the battlefield, but he's also got soft hands on the harp. And, and so I can kind of see, like, why, why Saul gets jealous. Because David's one of those guys, like, hide your daughters, hide your wife. Like, this guy's got it going on. And so the Bible tells us that, that, that Saul is jealous of David, and Saul, with the spear in his hand, he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to this wall. And so this picture to me is so funny. David is just there. He's playing his harp, just all calm and peacefully. Like, he's singing songs, like, the Lord is my shepherd. Like, and then, whoosh, like a spear just is thrown by his head. Like, a lot of times we read the Bible, we don't take it, we don't really think about it. But, like, David is there, like, he's an angel, and then there's a spear just thrown at his head. And, and I was thinking to myself, what must have David thought? Because David up until this point, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at David's life, he seems like a man without fault. He's done nothing wrong. He's a warrior. He's, the only reason he's even playing the harp is because the Bible tells us that every time Saul was distressed, when David played, it calmed him down. You see, David was so faithful but his faithfulness got him a spear thrown at his head. Have any of you guys ever felt like you're doing all the right things, but it just feels like spears are being thrown at you? Anyone ever felt like your faithfulness is fruitless? David is doing everything he can in his power to be a man of honor, to be a man of God, and what he is getting is spears instead of praise, instead of being elevated He's being spears thrown at him. And I began to think of this story, and I began to ask myself, I said, why would God allow David to go through this? Why does God allow us to go through things in life? Why does God allow us to go through crisis? But I began to realize as I examined the life of David, up until this point, David had faced no real adversity in his life. Everything in his life had gone according to plan, or even according to how you could dream of. He was anointed to be king when he was young. He defeats this, this giant when he's not much older. 
And now he's this mighty warrior and people are praising his name. David has killed his tens of thousands. Nothing has gone wrong in David's life until this moment with Saul. And I began to realize something. In life, we don't know who we are until we experience some sort of crisis. A lot of times, crisis will actually reveal our character. And so what I believe is this, friends, because I want to speak to someone this morning as we begin, and you may feel like you're in a crisis. You may feel like you're going from battle to battle to battle, and you're asking yourself, why would God allow me to go through this? I think the reason that God allows us to go through things is because sometimes crisis builds character. God allowed David to go through this whole experience with Saul because God needed to mold David into the person that he wanted him to be. And the best way for David to become the man that God wanted him to be was through crisis. Listen to this, church. What if the way that God wanted to get you to where you need to go was through crisis? Now, for a lot of us, that's not going to sound good. It's like, Pastor, I want to cut off heads. Like, I want to defeat giants. I don't want crisis. But what if we could begin to look at crisis as something that builds character. Our church, we planted one year ago and three weeks now, and it's been an amazing journey at Kingdom Church, and our church, we have a mission that we want to reach people for Jesus. We want to be a church where people that would not normally go to church would come to church, and we've come to realize that in our area of influence, there are at least 600,000 people that do not know who Jesus is, and we said that's not acceptable. We want to make a dent in that number, and that's the mission of our church, and that's the mission that that we planted our church with, and it's been an amazing journey, but one thing that I've realized about myself as we've gone on this journey at our church is I didn't really have a warrior spirit. I, I had a dream, which is like a warrior's dream, but I didn't necessarily have a warrior spirit in order to achieve the dream. And so what that meant is when I envisioned our church, I sort of envisioned everything working out. Any of you guys ever been to a place you think everything is going to work out perfectly? But one thing I've realized over this last year with our church is like I didn't really know how to fight. When things went wrong, when things didn't work out, I didn't really have a battle strategy. And I think for a lot of us in life when we're faced with hardships, we don't necessarily have a strategy. But one of the reasons I think that God has allowed us as a church to go through crisis has allowed bad things to happen, has allowed things to happen in ways that I would not have chose myself, is because God needs to develop my character. You see, one thing I've realized is that for every single crisis at our church, it has only led me to God. Because what I've realized for everything that goes wrong, it's like, God, I don't know what to do. I need you. God, I need you for this next step. I need you to lead me. I don't know what to do. But what I've realized, if everything always worked out the way I wanted it to work out, if everything was always up and to the right, I'm not sure I'd be relying on God the way that I do. But sometimes God has to allow things in our life to crumble so we can go back and realize who the source of our strength is. You see, what I've realized in this last year is that crisis actually builds character. And sometimes I have to go through hard seasons in order to come out and be molded in the way that God wants me to be molded. 
I was talking to my grandfather a little while ago, and I just love speaking with people who are older than me, uh, which is a lot of people. I'm pretty young, as you guys can tell. Um, but I was speaking to him, and back in 2012, uh, my grandmother and his wife passed away uh, from cancer, and it was an extremely hard time for, for our family um, and for him specifically. I remember the first time that I saw him without her, uh, I looked at him, and it, to me, it felt as if he had lost an arm, like something was missing, because I had never had this picture of them apart. And it was an extremely difficult season, but I talked to him recently in the last few months, and, and it's about seven years now, and he said something to me that I'll never forget. We were speaking, and he said, Harrison, he said, one thing in my life you need to know. He said, God has answered every single one of my prayers. He says, when I immigrated from India to Canada, he said, God answered my prayers. He said, when I came here, I found a place to live. When I came here, I found a job. When I came here, I was able to become a nurse. I was able to put my three kids through college. He said, everything in my life has worked out, and God has answered every single one of my prayers. He said, the very first prayer in my life that God did not answer was healing my wife. He says, that was the very first time I felt like God did not answer my prayer. And he said, for the longest time, I didn't understand it. And for the longest time, there was this almost bitterness and this anger. But what he was able to say seven years later, he said, one thing that I've realized through this whole experience, he's like, now I actually have a deeper and fuller picture of God. He said, now I'm closer to God than I ever have been in my life. And, and at the beginning, when this crisis first happened, I never could have expected that. But what happens over time is that crisis builds character, and crisis forces us to rely on God, forces us to rely on his strength. And so I want to speak to someone right now and encourage someone, you're going through something right now. What if in this season God is trying to develop your character? I love what Paul says because in the book of 2 Corinthians, he's going through a similar thing. He has something in his life, he has some sort of crisis, and he says that he pleaded with the Lord three times, take it away, God. God, just take it away, but, Jesus, but God said every single time, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, someone see this, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Amen. Maybe the reason that God allows us to go through things is so that we can realize who the source of our strength is. Sometimes the deepest and darkest things in our life will actually bring us closer to God. When I look at the life of David, we're going to see he's going to be on the run for the next number of years. It's actually through this crisis that God begins to develop his character. And I want us to notice something. I love this part. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, Saul hurls the, the spear at him. I'll pin him to the wall. But the Bible says David eluded him twice. And it's so funny. I love listening to Pastor Brian because I think we think very similar because he said pretty much the same thing that I thought. I was like, David's a young warrior here. This is an old man. Like David, if he wanted to, like this dude ripped apart lions and bears and giants. Like what is this 50-year-old man going to do? David, if he wanted to, he could have whipped that spear and thrown it so hard back at him. But the Bible says David just eluded him twice. David just essentially let it go. I want, I want to say something right now to us, church. 
in whatever season you're going through, whatever crisis you're going through, and maybe your crisis involves someone. Maybe you feel like someone is throwing a spear at you. Can I say something? In life, there are certain people that we must honor regardless. Honor is not earned, honor is given. And this can be really tough because some of you guys are like, my crisis is tied directly to my boss because he is a jerk. Honor is something that is given. It does not have to be earned. The Bible tells us to honor those who are in authority. I'm gonna speak to something real quick because I know I'm from Alberta and you're in Saskatchewan, but we're all in Canada, come on somebody. October 21st, we got an election coming up. And I know for a lot of people that can be polarizing. I said something to my church and I don't really care what anyone thinks, but I don't care about politics that much. I'm gonna just be honest. Maybe it's because I believe that God's on the throne and everything's gonna work out one day. But here's one thing I want to say to you guys if you believe in politics. It does not matter who wins. We must honor. We must honor. Honor is just given. And so what I love about David is that David did not, it did not matter what Saul was doing to him. And this is a trend we see throughout his whole life. David always honored Saul. And I believe because David honored Saul, God honored David. Come on. And so what happens is the Bible goes on, Saul misses, and so David eludes him, and so Saul thinks to himself, I need to think of something else. Like, I, I got to defeat him one way or another, and so Saul comes up with this plan. Saul's like, well, if I just tell him, I'm going to give him my daughter to marry, as long as you, David, go into the heat of the battle, and you got to go into this battle, and you got to collect 100 Philistine foreskins. You guys are like, what's a foreskin? Ask your parents. So Saul has this elaborate plan. He's like, I'm going to put David into the biggest battle of his life, and that's going to kill him. Like, if I can't do it, they're going to do it. But I love David because David has a warrior spirit, and the spirit of God is with David. And the Bible tells us that David comes back not with 100 foreskins, but 200 foreskins. Come on, somebody. I don't know what he carried those things home in. I don't know how hard he sanitized his hands after doing that. <laughs> but David's like, I'm going to give you double what you ask. And just as a side note, like if you guys watch Netflix, and Netflix is great, but 1 Samuel's better. It's like there's way, I haven't watched a show like that yet. Like that's action right there. But <laughs> I love David because David, no matter what happens, the spirit of God is with him. And so Saul's plan once again does not work. Once again, it's foiled. And so David comes back and Saul's like, got away again. And so 1 Samuel 19, this is crazy when we think about it. Again, Saul says, okay, I'm going to take it into my own hands. And so again, Saul throws a spear. And so it says, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made his escape. Now, I want us to understand something. Because David is faithful, faithful, faithful. And it's just spear, it's war, it's battle to battle to battle. It's crisis, crisis, crisis. Here's one thing I believe about crisis, friends. Crisis can build character, but crisis can also crush us. And I've met so many people that go through crisis and they lose faith. They go through crisis and instead of it building character, it destroys their character. But I want to encourage you with something right now because I believe it to be true. 
Because, and I think Pastor Brian would agree, as pastors, we get to see people all the time. And I think that God gives us a vision for people's life, and a lot of times we can see in things what people cannot see in themselves. But one thing I've realized over and over and over and over again, the people that are crushed the most, the people that get crushed the most, they are often the most called by God. I'd say it like this in your life, friends. The harder the crushing, the greater your calling. What if the reason you're going through such a crisis right now is because God has such a plan for your life? When I look at David, David was not only going to be the king of Israel, but David really is paving the way to Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the son of David. Jesus comes from the seed of Jesse. David has a great calling, and so he experiences a great crushing. And so, friends, whatever you're going through right now, if you feel like I'm, an ex- I'm experiencing a crushing, I'm experiencing a crisis, I want you to believe that the reason you're experiencing that is because you are called to something great. Because God has such a great calling on your life that maybe he needs you to go through this crisis in order that you can develop the character that he needs. David had to go through this crisis so that he could be, have the character of a king. And so it says that night David made his escape. David eventually realizes I cannot stay here any longer. And so the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 21, it says that day, David fled from, the Lord, from Saul and went to King Ashish of Gath. And so what happens, David realizes eventually it's no longer safe for me to be in the presence of Saul. And David flees to a place called Gath. And the reason that Gath is significant is that this is the hometown of Goliath, the, the dude that David just killed. And so if you're not painting the picture, David is literally running into enemy territory. And it's a good hiding spot because he's like, there's no way the king's going to find me here because no one would be stupid enough to go hide with the enemies. But I'm going to do it because it's the only place I'm going to be safe. But here's what I want us to see. David is someone that is anointed by God. He is someone that is called to be the next king of Israel, and he's been faithful, faithful, faithful. But instead of being elevated, it appears he's being crushed. And so instead of being in the palace, he's now hiding amongst enemies. He's hiding in the town of the the giant that he has just defeated. This must have been the lowest and the darkest point of David's life. What must David have been thinking? I don't know about you guys. When I go through things sometimes, I'm a lot of times just like, woe is me. Like, why is life so hard? Like, God, what's up? Any of you guys ever been there before? Like, come on, God, give me a break. I I had to believe as I read this that, that, that David was like, God, just give me a break. I have a calling on my life. What more do you? I'm faithful. But I love Psalm 34 because Psalm 34 gives us an inside look. And I love the Psalms in the Bible that they tell us exactly when David wrote them. And the Bible tells us that in 1 Samuel 21, this whole part right here, this is when David wrote Psalm 34. And so David, he could be feeling all these things. I feel like God has abandoned me. I feel like I'm crushed. But look what David says instead. instead, He said in Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. What? I thought he was going to say, God, where are you? 
My God, why have you? And he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. My praise will always be on his lips. Listen to this church. How do we get through crisis? How do we get through, how do we get through those seasons in life where it's battle to battle to battle? I believe the answer is so simple. We praise. We praise. Why do we praise? We praise because praise produces. Praise produces. You guys all with us during worship this morning? I'm going to tell you guys something in case you did not know this. We do not sing songs because we enjoy music. We may enjoy music. We don't sing songs because we have amazing musicians. You guys have got an amazing team here, by the way. Do not take them for granted. But we, we don't sing because we... The reason that we come together, and, and there's a statistic that says this, 83% of people come to church for the message. And that's fine. I hope you enjoy the message, and I believe God speaks to us through our messengers. But at the end of the day, church is more than a message. It's also a time where we praise. And so when we come here to church and we praise, there's a reason for it. It's because praise produces. It's because praise actually has the ability to reorient our lives. It has the ability in our darkest and deepest seasons to say, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to praise anyways. And one thing I've realized in my life is that when I begin to praise, I don't necessarily have to feel it, but if I praise, my heart eventually follows. I don't believe for a moment when David wrote this psalm, he had a big smile on his face. I'm so happy to be in Gath right now. David may have had tears in his eyes, but he said, I'm going to praise the Lord regardless. You may have tears in your eyes this morning, but you are saying, I'm going to praise the Lord regardless. One of the reasons I love lifting my hands in worship is because what I've realized is that when I lift my hands in praise, my heart follows. I don't lift my hands because I'm feeling it or because like, I think the I do it because I want my heart to follow. And I want to give my worship, my praise to God because praise produces. And praise has the ability to reorientate our lives. And I believe that the only reason David is able to get through this difficult season in his life is because he's able to praise. Because praise produces. I will praise the Lord at all times. I want us to see this though. The Bible says that Gath is no longer safe for him. And so David escapes and he makes his way to the cave of Adullam. And so there's this picture of David, he's on the run again. He's gone from the palace to enemy territory, now he's in a pit. He's literally in a cave. But I love David, and I, I almost love to believe that when David was in that cave, this is when David pens the second half of Psalm 34. And he says, I will praise the Lord at all times, verse one. I will continually speak his praises. But then in verse two, he says, I will boast in the Lord only. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. I love this part because listen to this. Here is the second thing that praise does. Praise actually reorientates our hearts. And instead of, us being look, instead of us looking inwards, when we praise, we can begin to look outwards. And we can begin to realize that even though it may look like I'm surrounded, God, I'm surrounded by you. 
And we can begin to say, it's in these times, in these moments when we praise, it's not all about me. And so I love David because he says, I'm going to praise God, but then he looks outwards. And he says, let all those who are afflicted hear and rejoice. Let everyone who needs hope hear what I'm saying. And I, and I, I believe that in this moment when David was in this cave, people began to get, get word of David. Have you guys heard about David? He's in the cave, but he's still praising He's in the lowest season of his life, but he still has joy. I believe this to be true. People in your life are going to see you in your deepest and darkest moments, and they're going to say, how do you praise? How do you still have joy? How do you still have peace? It's because praise produces. And so David says, let all of those who are afflicted come and listen. And I love this in 1 Samuel 22. It says when David was in the cave, it says his brothers and his father's households heard about it and they went down to him there. But look at this next part. It says all of those who are in distress or in debt or disconnected, discontented, gathered around him and began, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. I love that part. It says that people that were discontented can I tell you something, friends? In life, we, a lot of us, we want to put on this persona. Like everything's all good all the time. I'm an amazing person. I'm an amazing leader. I'm an amazing parent. I'm an amazing business owner. Can I tell you something? People admire your strengths, but they relate to your weaknesses. And what I've come to find in my life and in my ministry is that what attracts people is not strength, but it's weakness. I think that's why Paul is able to say, that's why I boast in my weakness. Because in my weakness, I'm strong. And David, he's in that cave with these four, and he's in this cave and he's praising. He said, I'm gonna praise you all the days of my life. Let all those who come, let all those who are discontented, let them come here. Listen to this, friends. Here's the thing about crisis, here's the thing about pain. When we can begin to praise in the midst of it, we will actually find that many times our pain has purpose. And for David, his pain had purpose. David, I love it, he was in a cave. He was in a place where no one should have any type of authority. No one should have any type of influence. But it says 400 men came and followed David. David didn't need a, he didn't need a platform. He didn't need a kingdom. He just needed to praise. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything you need and so much more. And if you have not had the chance to join us in person, we want to encourage you, plan your visit today. We would love to see you. We'd love to meet you. We can't wait. Until next time, take care.